This is The Engine Room, Home Church Scotland's leadership podcast. Leadership is the driving force behind any organisation. Thanks for joining us as we share some of the things that we've learned on our leadership journey. So the last in the traits of the great series, um, obviously this is our first session of The Engine Room, just finishing, but I really feel it's been a good thing and a strong thing and something I definitely feel we're going to be continuing uh, long term moving forward. We're going to make some changes to it after summer. Probably we'll have some sort of live open worship at the start leading us into the message and we're going to be having separate prayer times as a church. Um, we're, we're kind of, so we'll change up a wee bit how we do things, really Tuesdays, Wednesdays to fit everything that we want to fit in. in. Uh, but the, so engine rooms on a Tuesday will become just a wee bit more like a service, um, but um, with the same sort of a uh, teaching, like leadership stuff, culture stuff, uh, slightly deeper stuff than what you'd share on a Sunday. Um, we're looking today at the lives of Peter and a little bit Paul, um, because it's the last week, so I'm fitting two in with one. And there's a whole ton of leadership messages we can learn from both these guys, but I'm going to focus on a few of them. I'm going to start today just by reading scripture, actually. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 11. If anyone wants to follow along, you can, but I'll read it anyway. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 28. And this is Paul writing about his life and experience and a bit of his journey. He says, five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. I was stoned, people thought they'd stoned them. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, so stop having a go at me. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. That's Paul speaking about his experience and about his life. And so point number one today is Christian leadership comes with huge personal sacrifice. If you want to be a Christian leader, it comes with huge personal sacrifice. People make the jokes about pastors, for example, about only working on a Sunday. If only they knew <laughs> if only they knew um, but it doesn't matter what you do I kind of said this in Carmel on Sunday night if we want to take the East End for Glasgow it's going to hurt it's not going to come easy if we want Kirk and Tillock, this church here to continue to grow it's going to hurt if you want to step up into a ministry and we've all hopefully you know what you, you, those of you who are here in person and probably those listening to this in a podcast, we're listening to leadership stuff because there's probably something on our life that we feel we've got something to achieve for God in the next season. Otherwise, we're not going to be wasting our time. But if we want to make that achievement for God, we just have to recognize before a ball is even 
moved, struck, kicked, whatever, that there's going to be personal sacrifice. If, we're, if we understand that from Scripture and we know it's true, and if we're prepared for that, then it's no a shock when it comes. When it does come, we are, we're able to deal with it because we were expecting it. And actually, if that's the life of a, of, of a guy like Paul, who really whose ministry changed the entire world, if, if, if that's the life of a guy who had the impact that he had, we're going to just need to be prepared for some of it. You know, if there's no hardship, I'm concerned. If there's no attack, I'm concerned. If I'm not being attacked by bandits and the, the attack by folk in the church and folk out the church and this person and that person, I'm going to be concerned about that. So be prepared for that so that when it comes, it's not a surprise and so that we can keep going. So Christian leadership, if we're up for this, comes with huge personal sacrifice. Number two is God can use anyone to carry out his mission. God can use anybody. So when we first come across Paul in the book of Acts, he's known, he's known as Saul at the time, and he's standing present watching the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7. Not only is he, is he watching it, Acts 8 chapter 1 says that Saul approved of Stephen's execution. That's where we find this guy. And then a few verses later, we read that Paul, Saul, as he was at the time, then ravaged the church. And that's a fairly strong bit of language because it was fairly strong what he was doing, dragging off women and children and men to captivity because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. That's the guy. And as he's on his way to imprison folk, I know you know the story, as, as he's on his way to take people in chains to Jerusalem, Jesus miraculously saves him and transforms his life on the road to Damascus. And Jesus said, I, this guy's his chosen instrument to take his message to the Gentiles but he also says I'll show him how much he must suffer for my sake so there's that whole suffering thing again and right and as, we, as, as I read this all actually happened but Jesus out of everybody chose Saul I wouldn't have chosen him I don't know about you I wouldn't have chosen him but Jesus chose him and quite simply it's such a clear lesson to us that our past doesn't exclude us from serving God and our situation how we're living even doesn't exclude us of course our life will change in an instant from from what we're living to, to being uh, the person that God's called us to be but nothing excludes us from ministry if we're willing to submit our life to Jesus our age is irrelevant uh, our backgrounds are irrelevant our education's irrelevant our lack of education, in my case, is irrelevant. Um, poor decision-making, totally irrelevant. God is able to use anyone. Um, and as I uh, have learned and, and love to say, God can actually take our past and our failures and weaponize them for his purposes. And I love that about God. So God can use anyone to carry out his mission. Number three, um, leaders balance boldness and humility. So we've spoke about the importance of being bold as a leader. And separately, we've spoke about over this series, the importance of humility as a leader. Uh, but the balance of the two is extremely important. You can't have one and, and not the other. To be a truly great leader, we need both. And Paul modeled both 
extremely well. So throughout the New Testament, we see Paul being crazy, crazy bold in preaching the gospel. He takes every opportunity to preach the gospel. Uh, Romans 1 verse 16, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So we know he wasn't ashamed of it, and we know he preached it powerfully with every opportunity that he got. We also know that he didn't care about pleasing people or being popular. I take that from him. Uh, he just preached boldly in numerous situations. We see him being beaten up, beaten to a pulp. And rather than saying, here, going to get me out of here, he says, here, going to help me up so I can preach. I'm like, that's like crazy boldness. We see him trapped in a prison cell and the prison doors fly open. But rather than taking the opportunity to flee, he stays there for the chance to lead a jailer and his family to Jesus. He's constantly uh, being bold, making really brave, courageous decisions for the sake of seeing people led to Jesus. And as I talk about a little bit later on, we even see him calling out Peter on his hypocrisy. And remember, Peter's a guy that Jesus says, I'm going to build my church in this guy. And later on, Paul's calling him out for public hypocrisy. So, so Paul's crazy, crazy, crazy bold. In fact, I would go to say he's one of the boldest leaders in the Bible. He's one of the strongest, probably people who ever lived the stuff that he went through and kept going. That guy's got some courage and that guy's got some boldness. But despite his boldness, he was crazy, crazy humble. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, he describes himself as the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. In Ephesians 3 verse 8, he calls himself the very least of all the saints. And in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, he called himself the chief of sinners. In Acts 21, he goes to uh, Jerusalem to see James and the rest of the disciples um, and he said to them he humbled himself before them like they'd heard about this guy they knew what he was all about he humbled himself and he said to them I'm ready not only to be imprisoned but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus so he told the disciples of his ministry to the Gentiles he kind of explained what had been happening out there he knew he knew that Jesus had personally met him on the road and personally called him to do uh, what he was called to do, but yet he still humbled himself and gave the disciples their place as the leaders at that point in time, and he submitted to their authority and honoured the instructions that he was given. That's crazy humility. What I'm used to seeing is I've got this call in my life, and so... I'll do what I want and I'm not going to listen to anybody and I'm not going to be accountable to MD because God's called me to this and God's called me to that. Now it's brilliant if God's called you. But even, even Paul was called and submitted himself to authority. And I think there's a really, really important message in that. I love, I love your callings. I love it. We have to submit ourselves to authority and to be humble. If we balance boldness with humility, we'll achieve things in the kingdom of God. If you've no boldness, you're going to struggle. And if you've no humility, you're disqualified. You know what I mean? We need both. Number three. I like this one. Leaders talk straight and hold others accountable. Paul first came to Corinth during the second missionary journey. And after he left Corinth, there were several issues that happened in the church there. So Paul had a choice to make and it's the same choice that we have to make when issues arise 
in whatever our sphere of leadership is. Here's what we do with issues. We either deal with it or we ignore it. There is no middle ground. You deal with an issue head on or you ignore it. I found in life as a leader, particularly in church, that we either deal with a problem or the problem deals with us. It's one or the other. Uh, Paul addressed the issues he's seen in the Corinthian church. We, we know that by the two letters. He dealt with them head on. He gave people feedback. He held people accountable and he pointed people in the right direction. And that's what we're called to do. As leaders, it is imperative that we deal with issues at the earliest possible opportunity. Problems have got an alarming ability to grow arms and legs at a rate that you would not believe. And before you know it, you find yourself in a situation that's impossible. When actually the situation that you were in before that was only a little bit uncomfortable. So we avoid the slightly uncomfortable and find ourselves in the impossible. And that's not how it's supposed to be. And when we get to that point of, I've missed a slightly uncomfortable conversation and I find myself in this impossible situation, you find yourself in situations that are capable of destroying your entire ministry. You find yourself with people in situations that are capable of destroying your church and destroying your leadership because you didn't have the guts to tackle what's just quite, or yes, uncomfortable, but quite a straightforward conversation to have. If there's one failure I've seen more than any other in my life as a Christian, it's the inability to speak straight to people. It's the inability to speak the truth and the inability to, to have that uncomfortable conversation for the sake of saving massive issues down the line and not just for you, for a whole lot of other people as well. Another example of Paul talking straight and holding others accountable is that thing I mentioned a few moments ago about the time where he pulled Peter up for what he was doing. So Paul's uh, in, in Antioch and he's sitting with Peter and they're sitting around the table eating with Gentiles. So it talks about it in Galatians 2, verse 11 to 14. It says, Peter had been eating with the Gentiles until certain men came from James. But when they came, he separated himself from the Gentiles, leading the other Jews to act hypocritically with him for fear of the circumcised Christians that might think of him eating with the Gentiles. So, Paul's sitting eating with Gentiles, some delegates from James, James sends some people, and, and Peter, sorry, goes, if I'm caught eating with these guys, it's not going to look good. Uh, so, like a hypocrite, he kind of goes back and pretends that he wasn't doing it. It's like in the old days that the brethren said that you weren't allowed a TV, but you had one in the bedroom. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that when the guests came, they didn't see the TV, but there was a TV up the stair or in the other room and nobody was ever allowed in that room. Or we had these cabinets with the brandy glasses inside them so nobody could see the wine glasses and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? We're, we're, we're going to put across a public persona, uh, but that's not really what we're doing in private. But I want to I wanna put us in Paul's position for a second. Just imagine you're Paul and you're sitting with the man. You're sitting with the guy that spent three years with Jesus every single day. 
the guy that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The guy who stood up on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost and preached and thousands of people gave their life to Jesus. You're, you're sitting with that guy and you're Paul who's murdered and brutalized Christians all over the place. Um, I, I think that would have been a really awkward situation when the wee guy with the background that Paul has had has seen Peter and he's went, I need to correct that guy. <laughs> I mean, I need to tell that guy that what he's done it isn't right. It must have been really, really awkward. I don't know that I would have had the guts to have that conversation and I like to think of myself as a man who has the guts to have most conversations. Um, but Paul was willing to deal with the discomfort of the situation. He was willing to risk conflict with Peter in order to defend the gospel and make sure that everyone, Peter and all the other folk, were a true and proper witness for Jesus. And, and I, I love that example. It speaks really highly. So, so leaders straight talk and hold, talk straight and hold others accountable. Uh, number four, leaders value mentorship. So for me, as a leader, if you want to be a leader, particularly in church, I think this is important in every sphere, but it's really important in a church. We should have both a mentor and someone that we are mentoring, or at least a, actually, hopefully more than that. But at least you should have a mentor and someone that you're mentoring. And we need a mentor for a lot of reasons, but there's two main ones that, that I feel we need a, a mentor uh, for. Uh, firstly, as a leader, we should never stop learning. I think we covered that week one or something like that. As a leader, we never ever stop learning. Uh, but also is that as a leader, we need that accountability in our life. So I talked a minute ago about holding other people accountable, but we need that in our life. And so for that, uh, we need a mentor. There is always someone who's further down the track than you are. There's always someone who's achieved more, who knows more, who's more experienced than us. And quality leaders understand that. Quality leaders don't have an inferiority complex and they're delighted to learn and to take the opportunity to, to, to grow by learning stuff from people who are further down the road than them. But in contrast to that, poor leaders don't admit the truth of where they're at. Poor leaders will try and convince themselves and you that they're doing really well, even when they're not because they don't want to grow. Um, and if you convince yourself you're doing great when you're not, you just continue down the road to failure. And how many churches across our nation right now are failing because nobody was prepared to admit they were failing. And now they're at the point of closed doors and no return because nowhere along the line, when you look about, it's terrifying how many churches, how many church buildings there are. The reason all those church buildings are there is because once upon a time they were needed. Churches outgrew their buildings and they had to plant another one. That's why they're all there. And now they're empty. But we leave things, we, we, we accept struggles too late in the day. The point of going, something's going wrong is if you drop from 200 people to 150 people or from 500 to 400, or from 1,000 to 800, don't wait till you get to 20 people and go, 
oh dear, what's went wrong? And that, that's, that's what we're doing. Because we're no, and that's poor leadership. Poor leadership fails to address the fact that you're struggling and fails to get help and leads to conclusion. I don't want to be a poor leader. <laughs> um, but when, also for us, when we realize that our ministry is about the kingdom of God and nothing to do with us or our achievements or our reputation, then we realize the need as well to be building other people up and to be sharing what we've learned for the benefit of the kingdom of God. So as well as being mentored, we should be mentoring other people. Paul mentioned, uh, Paul mentored Timothy, um, who he called his true child in the faith in 1 Timothy 1 uh, verse 2, he says that. And the relationship Paul has with Timothy um, shows us how mentorship should work. So he started off as his child in the faith, but in Romans 16, 21, Paul refers to Timothy as his fellow worker. So a, a, a mentor and mentee relationship starts off as one sort of mentoring and helping and growing the other until you get to a place where actually you're able to work together and have the same level of effectiveness. Or actually, what, what I want to do, what we should be wanting to do is bring up young people to have a greater impact than us. If the next leader of home church has a bigger impact than me, I've done my job really well. If the next leader has the same impact as me, I've, I've done my job, but not particularly well. And if I fail to do transition at all, I failed as a leader. That, that's what we have to understand. If, if we're not working ourselves out of a job and training ourselves out of a job, we're failing as a leader. Uh, so we should be mentored, be willing to learn off people who are further down the track than us and be mentoring people to bring people up so that the work of the ministry continues long after us. Number five is leaders carry influence. So in Acts 27, we find Paul on a boat as a prisoner getting taken to Rome. This is where one of his three shipwrecks happened. So the boat hits a horrific storm and nobody's got a clue what to do. They end up shipwrecked, they end up in serious trouble. Now Paul was the lowest ranking person on board. Prisoners have got no right to have any authority whatsoever but because of the influence that Paul carried, he was able to speak up, to step up, and everyone listened to him, and he, and he was the one that led through that situation. You might be surprised sometimes as a, as a Christian leader if we carry influence, the opportunities we get to lead in the secular field that can actually bless people and can actually help people. So carry that influence that God gives us as leaders everywhere we go. Uh, number Six, this is the last one for Paul. Leaders persevere. I'm not going to read the verse that I read at the start again, but thinking about all of the things that Paul went through, you can't talk about this guy without commenting on his perseverance. He just stuck it out. No matter what, no matter what he went through, he just stuck it out. And he used every single opportunity available to him to preach the gospel. And here's what he said near the end of his life. He said, for I'm ready, I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Despite everything Paul went through, he finished the race. 
And I've said a few times, we have to finish well. It's really, really important we do that. Not long after this, uh, we believe, the Bible doesn't tell us, but hist from, from historians, we believe that Paul lost his head by beheading in, in Rome. They wouldn't crucify him because uh, Roman citizens weren't allowed to be crucified and Paul was a Roman, Roman citizen. So while Peter, who we're going to get on to, was crucified upside down, uh, Paul w w was, was probably beheaded um, in Rome shortly after Rome was burnt down. But that, there's, I would love that to be in my headstone, man. He finished the race and he had a good laugh. I mean, no excuses, had a good laugh, finished the race. There's, whoever's, whoever outlives me, that's what I want in my headstone. <laughs> I do. Leaders persevere. So for Paul, just to recap, Christian leadership comes with huge personal sacrifice. God can use anyone to carry out his mission, number two. Number three, leaders balance boldness and humility. Uh, four, leaders talk straight and hold others accountable. Five, leaders value mentorship. Six, leaders carry influence. Seven, leaders persevere. Peter's are a lot shorter. I've only got two. I could have had a lot more, but these two I love about Peter. First one for Peter, which you can put down either as eight or one, whatever you want to do, is leaders just get on with it. I really like that. See, people who are new leaders talk about stuff and leaders get it done. Peter, um, it's also one of his failures, which I'll mention in a minute, but Peter actually walked on water. Like he actually done it. He's a human being. And he saw Jesus walking in water and Peter got out of the boat and walked on water while all the other disciples sat watching, terrified or, or thinking, what's going on? I just want to be a leader that when I see Jesus, I, I see an opportunity, I walk towards it. Like no matter the obstacle, no matter the fear, when it's time to go, I go. Leaders just get on with it. Um, and that's one of the things I love the most about this church is that when we see a need, we just meet it. And when we feel called, we just move. And we're constantly like, we're constantly in prayer about God guiding us so that when God says go, we know we've prayed about it and we're ready to rock and roll. Um, I love that. So leaders just go on with it. You, you see that with Peter a number of times. He's, he got on with it too quick at times and Jesus had to keep rebuking him and saying like, pull your head in mate, do you know what I mean? But he, he just got on with it, he just wanted to move and I like that about him. And lastly, this is brilliant and really significant. Leaders recover quickly and powerfully from their mistakes. Here's one thing. One thing I guarantee that you will do as a leader is stuff up more than once. Um, I'm not going to sit here and list my failures because I'd be here all day. But I'm going to list some of Peter's. <laughs> Peter didn't understand half the parables Jesus taught him. And Jesus had to explain them in childlike terms because Peter didn't get them. Um, he didn't, he, he, he totally misinterpreted Jesus' words about East of the Pharisees and Sadducees, thinking Jesus was actually talking about bread. Um, the, he kept he and the other disciples tried to keep the children and the babies away from Jesus and made Jesus indignant, the Bible tells us. 
Um, Peter, although he walked in water, took his eyes off Jesus and started to sink, and he got chastised for that. I still think the man's brilliant for having walked in water in the first place, right? But but he took his eyes off Jesus in that in that moment and began to to sink. Peter was a man who was totally filled with selfish ambition. And we know that because he argued with the other disciples about who of us is the most important, who of us is the greatest. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah are there and they're talking to Jesus and it's a really holy moment, Peter opens his big mouth and speaks about stuff and just gets in the way because that's what he does, like foot and mouth disease. Peter tries to rebuke Jesus at one point and says, no, you're not going to die. <laughs> I mean, Peter tells Jesus what he's going to do. Um, Peter resists Jesus when Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter says, no, you're no. Uh, Peter fails to stand by Jesus' side in the Garden of Gethsemane and he fell asleep when Jesus asked him to stay awake and pray. Peter denied Jesus with oaths and curses in a public arena. Um, Jesus obviously then later on goes on to restore him. And then after Jesus' death, Peter is so deflated and defeated that he actually just quit the ministry altogether and went back to fishing until Jesus went and said, told you, let's go. Um, and of course, I've spoke about the time where Peter um, pulls back from the Gentiles and is, is a total hypocrite because he's worried about what some people think about him. Those points, if that was all you knew about Peter, you'd go, this dude's one of the biggest failures I've ever heard of in my entire life. But it's not all that we know about Peter. Um, Peter's a hero. <laughs> I mean, traits of the greats. He's a great, he's one of the greatest heroes that ever lived. And most importantly, he's a hero that Jesus trusted and that Jesus restored and that Jesus said, upon you, I'm going to build my church, that astounds me that. It really does astound me. But I'm so thankful to God that we're not defined by our mistakes. I'm thankful that I'm not defined by mine. I'm defined by who Jesus says I am. Um, I'm also encouraged that although we know this stuff about Peter, it's not how you remember him, it's not how you think of him. So you're, we're not remembered by our mistakes either. Satan will use our mistakes to make us think that you're never going to, nobody's going to forget that. You're not going to go over that. That's, how, that's what you're going to be known as for the rest of your life. But Peter's known for being one of the key characters in the building of the early church. He's known, probably he's best known for that sermon in Pentecost, but he's known for a whole lot of other stuff. He's remembered as a martyr for Jesus. He's remembered for so much stuff. So again, it's way more important that we finish the race and how we finish the race and that we finish the race well rather than being bogged down and caught up in the mistakes that we're going to make throughout our ministry. When we make mistakes, we don't dwell on them. Jesus instantly restored Peter every time. I mean, denied him three times. Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And like, that conversation probably took five minutes. And then the whole denial of Jesus was gone and Peter was restored. Jesus can restore us in a second. We don't, we don't hold on to our mistakes for days, weeks, months, years. We don't live defeated because we stuffed up. Um, we confess, we repent, we, we accept the restoration, we keep going and we finish our race well. So that's the end of our Traits of Regrets series.
I hope it's been helpful. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one, though I have no idea what it is. But we'll figure it out. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for The Engine Room. Why not follow or subscribe to this podcast and feel free to do the same to our social media pages as well as our YouTube channel. Find out more about our church at homechurchscotland.org.